Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Python Community News, the show that brings you the news around the Python community in a non-pippable format. Uh, this month, we have a very special guest with us live. Uh, but before we get to him, I'm Jay. And of course, as always with me, I'm John. And uh, yeah, that, that guest that I always give a hard time about because you can catch him around a conference in the shiniest of pants um, or, you know, just rocking a booth or doing doing what he does best. We have Calvin Hendricks Parker uh, from Six Feet, but also from the awesome Python web conference. Hey, Calvin. Hey, thanks, Jay. Excited to be here with you all this week. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be super awesome. We've got a lot of things to to talk about uh of course we moved over to this monthly format so with that you might be wondering well what happened during the month and if you want to learn more about that you can just check out the youtube channel uh it's youtube.com slash at pi community news uh we covered the uh diversity call the dni workgroup call uh that took place earlier this week uh calvin you were you were listening in on that right I did. I uh, actually got up early and uh, it was early morning, even East Coast time uh, to, to grab that group. But I think given the, the global audience that Python, Python Software Foundation is like supporting, it made a lot of sense to try and get a call where they can get the most people possible in the in the spot at one time. So I'll say it was a really good primer for those of you who aren't familiar with the Python Software Foundation and the kind of work they're doing, especially globally. And so I think the DEI gave an opportunity for the various regions to report out the kind of activities that are happening. You know, for example, we got updates from all the various continents, like Africa gave an update on PyCon Africa and things that have happened there. The APAC group gave a report out on some of the Python boot camps they've been doing in Japan. Uh, and then kind of an overall just state of the PSF and, and activities that are going on there. It was really interesting. Uh, probably one of my favorite charts they they threw up. There's a lot of good data and stats that are actually like there's some there's some data nerds in the Python community, and a lot of them do reside in the PSF and are doing some good work there. But gave a, some cool graphs and stats about uh, diversity and, and the history historical view on the PSF and the PSF board. Uh, if you look at the PSF board pre 2014, very very North American centric. And post-2014, uh, it got very, very diverse as far as countries represented, continents represented, you know, folks who are now included in that decision-making process. Uh, I think you'll also see that they are trying really hard to get um, not just the same people to be there all the time. Uh, they're trying to get new people in the seats just to have that, that broader view, I think. And I think it's working. Uh, they had 26 nominees for four board seats uh, the last go-around which I think is, fa is fantastic. I mean, I think they're getting finally reach. People who live in other areas now realize they can actually apply to be a, a board member for the, the PSF and, and try and do some good in the world when it comes to the Python community, which this is like the heart and soul of Python community. Really what the PSF does is drive some of these DNI um, initiatives, but also the PyCon and the community and making sure that it is thriving and growing. Um, and we talked a little bit pre-show about the change in the sponsorship model and, and what, how it related to PyCon. That used to be you sponsored PyCon, and that was how the PSF got sponsored for the year. Uh, they flipped that, and I think it's a really good idea. Uh, so now you sponsor the PSF, and as part of that sponsorship of PSF, you're now included in various events they do throughout the year. Um, Six Feet Up, for example, has now gone in and, you know, small sponsorship, but it, it makes it more attainable for small groups like us. We're not a big company. We do awesome work, but we don't, you know, we're not a many hundred or thousand person company and don't have you know, t technically a lot of money to throw at that kind of thing. 
this made it more accessible for a small group to, to be part of the of the fun. Yeah, one of one of the things that I have uh, a few friends that are in the JavaScript space and, you know, they talk about the amount of investment from companies versus community. And I feel like the way that we're set up, it is very community driven. I mean, granted, mm -hmm. obviously companies are there. They are sponsoring. They are getting involved. They are doing things. But I think that the Python community has kind of a, a historical rooting in you know, reaching out to community members more. And, you know, we see that a lot with just the overall exponential growth of, of representation across the globe. And, and I think that now what we, we have to continue improving on is, is kind of what they've, what they've been doing is saying like, it's not 90% of Python users are in North America. Therefore our board shouldn't be, you know, 90% yeah. North American. Um, let's work to to kind of diversify what our our leadership representation looks like, and they've they've done a great job. Oh, uh, I will agree. It's, it's not an easy job. I mean, you look back over the history, and they have to make you know reactionary decisions or, or approaches to to situations that arise, and so they've got not an easy job because they've got they're dealing with random humans across the whole globe, and you know not all of them know how to human well together. Uh, it's unfortunately, but I think that again they're. They're helping establish like that framework that we can all be a community in. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, uh, we're gonna we covered with the announcement of that group on our YouTube channel. Uh, feel free to check that out. And this month we have a nitney of conferences to talk about. I I think about this with with PyCon US coming up. One of the things that they do at PyCon US is they have like the the lightning talk that is every single upcoming conference come on stage and and give your spiel uh i think we're gonna do that for just a quick second before we lead up to the the main event which is kind of the upcoming conference that's python web conference but let's uh let's take our start by first looking at pi texas pi texas is happening the first week i think it's the first and second of april uh, this isn't a joke, but also uh, they are currently looking for sponsors as well. So if you're in the Texas area, uh, all of Texas, I think the events in Austin, but of course they are trying to grow that community around Texas. And um, I know that they have been working to get some representation in many of the different parts of Texas, which is, you know, it's big enough to be its own country. So why not have all, all the corners of it covered? So yeah, if you're a company in the Texas area or you just you're interested in sponsoring uh, a regional conference, Pi Texas is a great one. And then on on the East Coast, formerly on the West Coast, but now on the East Coast, we have DjangoCon. A uh, little bit in the fall, so you don't have to do anything right now. But uh, DjangoCon is going to be taking place in North Carolina in the Durham area. So in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, We've we've been talking with some of the Django Con and some of the DEFNA board members. It's been really interesting seeing the process of uh, moving from one side of the country to the other. Um, John, I I was wondering from you. You've you've hosted regional conferences. Um, obviously, your conference has never had to move states um, because it's kind of focused in one state. But uh, have you have you had the 
the problem of, of changing venues or, or maybe changing the expectation of your audience? Yeah. So, um, right. Pi Gotham, uh, which is a conference I work on is, is a regional conference and, and, and DrangoCon US, um, really is, a, is a different right tier of that. Um, right. So they, they move around all over the country. Um, and, and, Right. Pi Gotham is a, is a New York City conference, right? So uh, I've been involved in, in Pi Gotham in uh, several different venues. And, and, and it's, it's always a, a bit of a change of pace because, uh, you know, un, unless you're sticking to right, these like hotel chains that have common, common floor plans, um, every venue is going to be a little different. Um, and, and, e and even if you do, right, like the surrounding area is always going to be a little bit different. So you have you have challenges that are involved when uh, moving from from place to place in terms of, uh, you know, what your uh, tracks can look like, right? How how big each each room is going to be, how many tracks you can feasibly hold at once, um, actually moving attendees right from one talk room to another, because uh, that's a, you know, a, a, a thing that. Um, comes up at, at different venues, right? Um, if I'm remembering correctly, there was a, a PyCon US one year uh, where uh, where there were two talk rooms that were like basically the, the opposite ends of a venue and um, to get right between, you know, from the end of one talk to the beginning of another, uh, you did not have a, a, a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of breathing room there. In order to get in the seat quickly enough, so uh, yeah, there's always always some some challenge in moving venue, um, but I, I I do have to imagine for the DrangoCon US folks that moving you know entirely right from one coast to another uh, is is probably even more so because um, right you have to you have to worry about um, all the other things that go into running conferences, right? So when you're doing an in-person conference like one of these, there's, uh, you know, staffing involved, right? You have vendors for AV and videography and all sorts of other in-person things, as well as uh, right, finding places for people to stay. Right? You got to negotiate hotel block rates. There's, there's a ton of stuff uh, that, that we can, we could dive into that is a, uh, Things that a lot of people don't uh, don't don't think of, you know, front and front and center as uh, as topics for organizing a, a tech conference that are really much more event planning than they are technology. Calvin, what about you? I know you uh, you do an online conference, so I mean, I, I guess location we're, is everywhere the all the time. <laughs> I, I, one thing about DrangoCon, I'm, I'm excited to see it come back to the East Coast, and there's just getting for from being an east coast living in east coast time and going to the west coast is just a, a big travel and it's obviously it's not great on the environment it's also like just hard on the body like you kind of get a little bit of jet lag when you go three hours to the, to the west like that so i think giving each coast a little opportunity and kind of moving that back and forth is good for the environment because we're not having to move a whole bunch of people from one side of the country to the other and and so if you can do that more you know off and on more folks get an opportunity to come to the conference and, and experience the, the Django community or experience PyCon. Uh, PyCon's coming back to East 
know, next not this year, but the next year, correct? It's going to be yeah, in it'll be in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, I, of course, I'm I'm heartbroken. I can't just wake up in my bed and drive 20 minutes south <laughs> and you know go to Django Con anymore. But you you know, it's I appreciate. You know, one of the things that you mentioned is having kind of where are most of the people from, and it's great when you know most of the people because they're from up and down your side of the, the country. So you see them three or four times at other regional conferences. So I, I think it is nice to see Django Khan kind of represent the U.S. entirely. And, and one of the ways it can do that is by saying, you know, a couple of years over here, a couple of years over there, maybe a one or two in the middle and then kind of go back and forth between them. I I wonder how that will will pan out um, in terms of just attendance. I know that uh, a lot of a lot of focus is often put on the West Coast and on Silicon Valley, but I I definitely emphasize and want to emphasize that you don't have to live in California to be a software engineer. You don't have to live in Seattle. You don't have to live in New York City, you know, those areas. In fact, some of my favorite people that I talk to um, often have the wildest stories about how, you know, they live out in the middle of Idaho and still manage to to work, you know, as a software engineer and, and do really amazing things. So I think the more that we can get to places like Durham, which, you know, if I'm thinking of tech scenes, Durham probably isn't on the top of my list, but... I think what this does is it celebrates some of those areas that may not be known for that. Although if too bad, I can't catch a basketball game while we're there. Cause I do know there'd be a lot of good college basketball available. I want to also, uh, you know, quickly mention that a lot of events like these put out um, calls for host cities. So right, yeah. if you are into Django con us or, or PyCon us and, um, or, or if you're, you know, into a into running events like these yourself, um, there are ways you can suggest to people, hey, you know, come to my city. We have this cool, uh, you know, cool place where where you could host a host an event like this, and we have a Python community that's really active that you might not be aware of. Um, and so, uh, pretty uh, pretty much once a year, event uh, events like these will put out a call for. Uh, for venue proposals so um you know the, it's it, it's it's not a, a super short list of questions but uh there there are some questions you can answer about uh why why a conference like this should come to your your city and um you know hi highly recommend uh even if for no reason other than understanding like what goes into these kinds of decisions uh taking a look at those when they do get announced well, that was that's what I was going to say with the, you know, one of the big things with that is if you've ever thought about hosting a conference in your area, do the smart thing and work with people who have a lot of experience hosting conferences. Don't don't try to spin yours up from scratch with it with zero knowledge of what goes into doing that. Instead, see if you can bring a Django Con in and then work on their organization team. So that way you see a lot of the things that are required to make that a reality um, so that when they leave and go to wherever the next one is, you can 
come back and, and do a thing. And um, my hope is that maybe they'll be able to work with some of the people who were running Pi Carolinas and and uh, bring Pi Carolinas back. But well, we'll... there's there's awesome groups available too. Like you know, John runs an organize, organizers you know meeting that meets periodically and talks about these kinds of things. There's typically an open space at PyCon each year where all the either meetup or event organizers get together and kind of swap stories and, you know, battle, battle stories and things like that about craziness that happens. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, don't, don't try to, in, in the Python world, don't roll your own. Don't, don't roll your own. Use, use the module. And in this case, let that module be somebody else's conference coming to your city. Uh, speaking of other conferences, uh, probably the big one that, that we all hear about, which is PyCon US. Um, PyCon uh, is coming up. It's at the end of April, or it's the middle of April, April 19th through the 27th. And we have some new updates. Uh, we have some applications for Startup Row. So if you're a startup and you know maybe you can't afford the, the giant booths at the at the front of the expo hall um they actually have off right next to those uh, a row for startups to to have a booth and and to be able to talk to people and honestly that's one of my favorite parts of the expo hall uh you have a bunch of amazing different ideas people who are um trying to produce things i've seen everything from companies that have like series a to people who like have an idea and they're trying to get like initial funding and you know so if if working in the startup space is your opportunity or you want to maybe get a job working at the next startup uh there's a, a lot of opportunities there or start, if yeah you... start, startup is awesome um I've, we've actually participated as being a local meetup and helping companies compete to be on startup pro so there's been companies who have come to the IndiePie group, which is one of the meetup groups I run here in Indianapolis, and they've they've pitched, you know, had a we had a pitch competition, judged it, and our winner went on to be a startup row company. Uh, and the, the startup row companies get a ton of resources while they're at PyCon as well. So if you're if you're not familiar with this and you are a startup, I, again look into this because there's hundreds of millions of dollars of investment has gone into startup row companies who've gotten that kind of exposure because they were on startup row. I mean, there's some names out there, you know, like, you know, Plotly, and I'm trying to get some other big ones that are out there, but there's some big companies out there who have actually come up through Startup Row and th there's a lot of this exposure, getting the right meetings, being in the right place. They'll have a, a dinner. I think they are some kind of social that all the Startup Row companies all go to. And plus, you know, I think they hook you up with all the right people. Yeah, I've I've also hosted uh, a couple of those those. Uh, pitch events in the past, uh, and and I was lucky enough to be on Startup Row a handful of years ago, and it's a super great experience, um, right? There's a, I've you know I, I I've made a a pretty pretty busy hobby out of attending tech conferences and stuff, um, and there so so I've you know been a participant in a in a in a whole bunch of different ways, um, being on the expo hall. Um, at, at PyCon US is pretty different from uh, from a lot of the other conferences you, you you might have attended. It's there's just so much going on, um, and it's it's a super great way to uh, to meet just an enormous number of people who are uh, not only involved in the community that you're also involved in, um, but also there to like want to see you succeed right 
um, the, the, those pitch events are, uh, you know, they're, they're fun. They're like a little, um, you know, everybody talks about, here's what their, their company does, how, how they use Python and whatnot. Um, and then once you're, uh, you know, once you're actually up at the booth on startup row, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the Python community you're used to, right? Everybody's there and they want to see you, uh, see you really succeed and thrive and they're, they're, they're rooting for you. And it's, it's, it's such a fun experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so Jason Rowley and Don Shu have been doing that over the years, you know, just a huge thanks to them for taking that initiative and putting that together. Cause that's, that's something they just threw together and said, we're going to make this happen for the PyCon Expo Hall. I love it. And also they've, they've added a couple of blocks here for nonprofits, which, uh, that's that's one that I have a, a heart for. Um, I've I've worked, you know, as a volunteer for a couple of nonprofits in the past, and I I really enjoy when companies say, you know, what we have a passion for a thing, and you know, we want to allow developers to get involved. Uh, so if you're a nonprofit as well, there's a, I would say check out the link. Um, there is an actual URL. You have to sign up for it and, and sign in. But I will add the link at least to the chat. So if you work for a nonprofit and you want a little bit of exposure, um, you can, you can have a nonprofit booth as well. Uh, and I'm, I know both of you have worked with nonprofits in the past. <laughs> well, I mean, IndiePy took advantage of that. Uh, and also the Plone Foundation has taken advantage of that in previous years at PyCon. And it's, it's a great way for open source projects as well to get exposure. Uh, if, if so, you know, you're a new open source tool and, want to have a, a you know exposure to the whole python community uh, what better place than the, that expo hall floor like john mentioned it's it's really really vibrant and active uh, at least it, it has been in previous years uh, last year i think it was kind of a reboot uh, post covid uh, it was a, a little different but I, I i get impressions well on its way to going back to what it was awesome so and since we've got got this person here, we might as well talk about it, I guess. Um, there is this other conference that uh, it's all web. I've, I've spoken at it before. It was it was a good conference. Uh, it's called Python WebConf. Uh, I'm not going to try to explain it. We've got the person here. Calvin, go ahead. Take it away. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, we, so this actually happened pre-pandemic. 2019 was our first year for the Python Web Conference. So this year will be our fifth year for doing the conference. And our main goal back in 2019 was we felt like there was a, a gap in the community for um, certain people to come to like a PyCon and see talks about you know web technologies. It, it felt like there was just a, a missing space and also the ability for people who can't travel necessarily to come and enjoy that Python community without having to you know, make it to PyCon. I mean, maybe it be prohibitive. They can't even get a visa or what, whatever the case may be, or it's just cost prohibitive for you to travel. So Python Web Conference was really born out of those two like motivators, was for us to get more folks together and fill a space, I think, that some of the in-person conferences weren't doing. And then do it in a way, you know, the next year we did it to 2020, was to do it in a way that actually felt more natural and leveraged the powers of being online. So having features built into the, the platform that actually made it a better experience than if you were just watching a webinar or coming to an in-person conference, like the fact you can 
pause the talks or meet face to face with the speakers or some things we really focused on that, like the attendee experience. So this year, Python Web Conference is going to be March 13th to the 17th. Uh, so it's coming up here right in a couple weeks. I believe uh, Jay is going to probably put a discount code into the chat. Uh, there it is. Look at that. There's our discount code. Uh, so that'll get you 15% off on the tickets for Python Web Conference, which are on sale right now. Uh, so make sure you go grab that. Uh, there are also, if, if the ticket price is a blocker for you joining the conference and being with the Python community, there are grants available from the same page where you can register for a ticket. Uh, there is a link to apply for a grant to uh, get access to the Python Web Conference. So we'd love to have all of you there, uh, if at all possible. Uh, it's going to run the five days. It's typically going to be half days. Uh, that way you can kind of still participate in the conference, still do your daytime job. Uh, we're running East Coast morning time uh, for everything. There'll be two keynotes per day. So there'll be one kicking off the day and one ending each day. And then a handful, uh, there'll be four tracks plus a tutorial track this year. Uh, one less track than last year. We kind of had to scale back just a bit because it was a lot of work uh, putting this together for the team. But expect to have talks about you know, app dev. We got a culture track, a pi data track. There's going to be a uh, cloud track. So there'll be some specific things about Python and the cloud. So we used to run a, a cloud-specific conference and actually kind of stopped and incorporated that into, since Python's so prevalent in the cloud world, into the Python web conference itself. So amazing speakers from all over the world actually are going to be joining us. I think we've got, last year we had, I'm trying to think of the number of countries. It was probably 35 or so countries, 37 countries represented in the attendees and almost as many represented in the speakers. We had 90 speakers last year. There'll be a little less this year, but the diversity in the in the, the speakers is also really, really cool. It's just to have people who wouldn't, again, normally be able to travel and then speak at a, a major Python conference is really awesome for the Python Web Conference to have that ha available to the whole community. Uh, once Python Web Conference is over, we'll have all the videos up uh, in about 90 days, I think is what we, we do typically. 90 days or six months? I can't remember off the top of my head now. I'm sure Laurel will correct me when I get off the live stream here, but they, they will eventually be on the, uh, the the Six Feet Up YouTube channel. And actually, if you're interested in watching previous year's content to get a feel for what this year's conference will be like, the all the talks from last year, actually all the talks from every year are up on that YouTube channel uh, right now. Uh, for example, last year we had a very, very popular talk by Matt Harrison, one of the keynotes, you know, kind of given some you know, his standards, some of them not standard, but like his talks about pandas. He's a really good, engaging speaker that I, we're, he'll be back again this year uh, giving. I don't remember if he's doing pandas this year again, but he's back again this year. Uh, we'll have last year we had Naomi Cedar gave a great talk um, it, with a interesting format. Uh, using the, her background as the slides and, and kind of talking about the world and, and where we all live and how we all interact. So there's going to be something for everybody. I, I personally really enjoy the um, the culture tracks. I, I love hearing personal stories and how folks are making themselves be either better developers or you know doing some kind of impact on the world. Uh, there is a bit of a focus uh, for us on impactful projects. And, and if you followed my like, kind of stuff I did at DjangoCon, uh, I did a talk on this there, that we are looking to do talk uh, to give help in the impactful world, especially around climate change, energy, um, you know, helping better humankind, 
So there'll be a number of talks we've reserved in the schedule specifically for uh, climate change and impact talks that you, know, you may not get anywhere else. Uh, we're actually actively seeking out speakers of people who are doing interesting work in those areas. Um, mostly if they're doing Python, it's obviously a bonus, uh, but if they're just a really inspiring talk about you know, helping us change the world, that's something we wanna bring to everyone who's part of the Python Web Conference. You know, one of the things I really like about Python Web Conferences is, is that it, uh, I guess, I, I, you know, I guess the phrase like steering into the skids, like this, this started before yeah. <laughs> online conferences were the requirements. Um, and I think with that, it gives, it gives y'all like one, the advantage of hey, we're doing this when nobody else is doing this. And then now everybody else is doing this. And it's like, all right, we have we have the advantage. We, we know some of the things that work, some of the things that don't work. And, and I guess that would be the question that I would ask you, just with, with having run this for, for a few years, including before, um, you know, 2020 uh, decided to make everybody work and conference from home, uh, what what do you see really work for virtual events? I mean, virtual events are a different beast. Folks who try to emulate or simulate a real world conference online, I think had a lot of trouble and a lot of stumbling because they tried to you know, make these virtual expo halls that like had avatars and you walked around and, and those kinds of things. I don't think the skeuomorphism of a conference translated well to an online event as opposed to building an intentional online only or online specific experience, which is again one of the reasons we built a full platform that we host the, uh, the Python Web Conference on. So Python Web Conference itself is hosted on a platform we built in Django, so using Python, and that's called Loudswarm. So if you want to check out loudswarm.com, it, it's a you know just strictly a product only around virtual events. And we wanted to make sure that folks had an, as many opportunities as possible to engage with one another because we felt like those interpersonal relationships of an in-person conference were so important. I mean, that's one of the reasons I go. It's like to be in the hallway track and, you know, hang out with Jay. And, you know, how many conferences did I run into you last year? At least three, Jay, at least. Yeah, I think it was PyCon US, EuroPython, DjangoCon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you're probably around South by Southwest somewhere. I just didn't bump into you. <laughs> right. So the things that we incorporated into the virtual event platform were things like the the face-to-face. -face. So if you're watching a specific talk afterwards, the moderators do a really good job of making sure we have, and we also focus on having live speakers. Like I feel like the live presentation format, as opposed to like a pre-recorded kind of canned talk, still has a certain energy to it that is worth doing. And then after those talks, we have the speakers go into the face-to-face -face room that is easily accessible from the UI so that you can have that same around the podium discussion that is so common at the in-person conferences but then these can go longer because no one's shooing you out of the room uh, unlike the in-person conferences where like you know moderators are like all right everybody's got to move on because we got to get the next speaker you know set up instead we've had some of those in-person rooms you know a dozen people hang out for over an hour and get to talk to that speaker and get to ask all their like questions that, you know all the burning questions they've ever wanted to know about whatever specific talk it was so that, that's one feature and then tight integrations with like slack and discord we've got support for both of those channels in the player itself so like as you're viewing kind of like you're viewing here on youtube you've got the the, the 
chat, you know, right on the side, we've got the same thing, but integrated with your community's existing Slack or Discord. So you don't, people don't have to go learn another chat platform or, you know, use, you know, half-hearted built chat tools by some, you know, conference vendor to build it. We said, there's already great tools out there for chat and there's already communities who are in those places. Let's just make sure we bring our tool to them so that they can actually interact. And like, that's the back channel and like, where all the kind of noise and things happen is on on their existing communities. So that's so those are some of the things we've done to really focus on that that interactivity. Another thing I love is the fact that I can watch a video, uh, pause like live video, just like a DVR you would anywhere else, and then you know go get a drink, come back, unpause. Or if I was busy in one of those face to face rooms, ask talking to the speaker, I can join a talk late, actually rewind backward and catch the talk right from the beginning, like like I never missed a beat. So there's some features and things you just can't do in real life. You can do virtually that we've really focused in on for that experience. Oh, I missed one other feature that's like that too. Uh, is the fact that you can view, you can view uh, previous talks within 10 minutes of them happening. So live talk goes up uh, and it's done. Within about 10 to 15 minutes, we typically have the talk back live again. So, oh, awesome. Kojo is awesome. He did a tutorial. He didn't just give a talk. He, he gave a tutorial, which those, if, you, if you're a conference organizer, those are the special people because they give a lot of work, a lot of effort into, you know, teaching someone and doing a multi-hour like type of a thing. So I always give out huge props to folks who help us out in that way. Uh, speaking of tutorials this year for Python Web Conference, we've got an awesome tutorial uh, speaker back, uh, Mike Bayer, who's the SQL Alchemy maintainer. Uh, he did not last year, but the two years prior to that was a to the tutorial, and he's back again this year. I think there's a new release of SQL Alchemy out. So if you are looking for learning the latest version of SQL Alchemy, I mean, you get you basically get to get top, you know, from the person who created it, uh, which I love. I love that fact you have that kind of access in our community, uh, and you can do it from anywhere in the globe. I've had my eye on that update, and sadly, this isn't the show where I get to talk about it. So you have to. <laughs> I have to like email Mike and see if he can get them on the on the show to, to talk about it there. Um, Again, John, what you... amazing human beings like the people who who give their time and, and do a tutorial. Thanks again so much to those people. John, did you have any uh, any questions for Python Web Conference? Uh, yeah. So so, I'll, you know, kind of from the. Uh, I, I wanted to ask from the perspective of, of someone who's new to Python Web Conference, right? Um, I, I know all the previous talks are uh, are available on YouTube. Um, are there any that you would recommend as like a crash course for, right? Somebody wants to attend Python Web Conference this year. Um, they they want to they want to come in like ready to ready to hit the ground running. Where should they start? Well, the tutorials, if you're wanting to catch, you know, some deep knowledge on some things, we had the tutorials from Matt Harrison on idiomatic pandas, which is really good. <clears throat> Ton of views on YouTube on that one. Uh, uh, looking forward to, so there's just varying like case studies and people talking about their open source projects or people talking about a specific tool they use. But the, the real feel I think you could get for like the who's at the conference, go watch a couple of the keynotes, like Julia Simon's keynote, you know, I already mentioned Naomi's uh, keynote. Uh, M. Scott Ford gave another great keynote. Um, some people talking about real challenges that you'll relate to, like you know burnout and you know how to be a better developer. And there's some really 
cool things there that I think that will give you a feel for like the culture of the conference. And then you can go kind of dive in on the tech and learn and all those kinds of things. So that's probably what I would look at. Um, think about some specific talks that are in here. Oh, there's so many great speakers. It's again, the, the, the folks who give their time, oh, love it. Another thing we do during the conference I didn't mention is gonna be the socials. So every day after the conference kind of winds down with the last keynote, we'll be doing some socials. Uh, last year we did the origami class uh, with one of the one of the 60 up crew uh, gave a cool tutorial on doing origami. And so if you sign up for Python web conference, we typically, if you sign up in time, you'll get a package sent to you in the mail that's going to have some goods in it for participating in the conference. So like sticker packs and swag and stuff you'd get if you went to the expo hall. But we'll also have like the origami paper in there for you to participate in the origami social, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we'll do a kind of a you know geek speed dating thing, which is kind of fun because uh, basically I bring everyone to a, a big Zoom room. We leverage the breakouts. We randomize it. We just go for like 10 minutes and I ask a couple questions. Like I typically give a question, send everybody off to discuss it. They all come back. We do it again. And a, a lot of people really love that because it's it's uh, it's it's kind of non-threatening, I, I think, because there's 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 a question given like, you know what to do. You don't have to think about like, how do I like socialize? And, and you know, it's, it's kind of some guided socialization, uh, which is a lot of fun for folks to participate in and get to know people from all over the world. The conference runs really, even though I say that the sessions run morning time, Eastern Standard Time, the conference runs 24 seven though. There's people in the Slack channels all day long, all night long, because the videos are up so quickly on the platform, people are watching the talks all, all you know, 24 seven and commenting on them and discussing and, and getting to know the other conference goers like that. And I think this year we've, we've kept all the alumni from previous Python web conferences in the same Slack community to really build that community. So even if some of those people aren't going to the conference officially, they're in the channels, like in the general channels and things like that. So they can, you can still interact and find folks who are, you know, past speakers from last year. If you come this year and you want to find a speaker from last year, they're probably in our Slack channel hanging out and you can uh, chat with them. You know, like I know, for example, like Paul Everett and um, Michael Kennedy are going to be back. And they're very engaging and they love talking to people. Uh, all these people are very approachable, uh, just like if you were in a real person Python conference. And I don't think a lot of people who are new to the Python community understand that, that you know, so so what if someone wrote some famous library that you you use on a daily basis, they're normal people and they love talking to you. That's one of the reasons they, they made some of that software is to make other people happy. So... Speaking of Kojo, um, who <laughs> is probably still in the chat. Um, hi, Kojo. I, I know that Kojo has a couple of times been the uh, the designated, so welcome to the conference. Here's what you need to know. Yeah. Um, is there, is there a... <laughs> he, said he claims he's not here, but he's, he's here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sure. <laughs> is there a... Like what's what's the one thing that people need to know if this is their their first time attending? Like what is what is going to be the thing that helps them out more than anything? I mean, engage in those face to faces. I, I think those are so valuable to be able to get that FaceTime with the speakers. Um, the, the that interactivity. You can watch the talks later. They're all going to be online. I think yeah. Uh, the sixty up chat came in and told me it's going to be ninety days. So ninety days later, the talks are all online anyway. The real benefit is like the energy of the moment and what's happening now. So getting in, I think we're using Slack again for our, our chat and our community this time. 
getting into those Slack channels, getting into the face-to-face meetings, take a chance, take a risk and participate in one of the socials. Uh, They are very fun. You can stay silent, keep your camera off, keep it muted if you want, and just kind of lurk. No big deal. That's totally acceptable. Or you can turn your camera on and tell some stories or, or, you know, I'll come in an MC and drag one, uh, drag a story out of you, but I won't force you to do anything. This this is a non, again, non-threatening environment, a lot of fun. I try to make sure everyone feels welcome. So it shouldn't be a high pressure, uh, you know, decision on whether you go or don't go. And then I have to ask, what's what's up with the jerseys? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you'll see. You know, this is the uh, this is the first one from 2020 that we did. So I, we I meant jer- to go grab mine. I think I have the one from 2021. Yeah. So each year we've been doing. Uh, we kind of wanted a cool a cool like feel to the conference. So you'll notice that Python Web Conference has a maybe edgier logo than uh, some conferences, kind of that uh, esports looking like logo and theme. So we're like, we should have a jersey that goes along with it. Just so, so the speak, all the speakers will uh, receive these jerseys and there's a new design each year. I don't remember if we unveiled the design for this year, but it's a, uh, it's pretty darn cool. It's got the purple. So you'll see the colors each year change. This year, we've got kind of a purple and yellow theme going. So I believe the jersey is more purple and, and yellow this time, as opposed to this one, which is kind of like the dark blues and the light blues and the yellows. But yeah, I don't know. It was, it was just kind of a, how do we thank our speakers? How do we thank the community? And the first year we did that, we ended up uh, selling extra ones to the attendees and giving uh, the proceeds to uh, charity. And actually, we did that last year. We did a net proceeds. Uh, so last year, any of the profit and net proceeds um, we gave to charity as well. So we, we always try to do a little something during the conference to make sure that we can benefit, you know, some group or some some place that that may need some help. So the jerseys are one of those things we did, and we just kind of kept continuing to to do them. It's fun because like now I run into people at conferences and they're wearing the jerseys, and it's it's really really cool to see, you know, people people get to be proud of like being a speaker at the Python WebConf. In real life. <laughs> I'm definitely a big fan of the uh, the Jersey thing was different for me. Like, I think when I got mine, I was like, oh, this is cool. I don't think I've ever gotten one of these from speaking at a conference before. Well, we want to be unique. I don't want to, just want to give you a you know, standard speaker gift. Although we also give all the speakers also get some kind of circuit python embedded python you know gadget i I love that stuff so i want to make sure everyone gets to experience it as well so you'll get speakers will also get some kind of a adafruit toy that i love playing with so the gifts a lot of those gifts are expression uh, kind of my expression uh, of me in the conference (laughs) so we've talked a lot about python web conference and, and we know that you have you know years of experience in organizing conferences and sponsoring them. Um, but conferences aren't the only thing that you've, you've done. I've, I, I happen to know that you're also one of the organizers for uh, IndiePie. And last year, IndiePie celebrated a milestone. Was it 15 years? 15 years. years. 15 yeah, we, years. Started, we started in two, 2007. So obviously we talk about community here. Um, what is it like having a community that now can get their learner's permit in, when it comes <laughs> to driving? Can, can almost drive. Oh, is it, I mean, when I, so I, I originally moved back to Indiana from the Bay Area. I was living out there for about five years. And when we got back here, I, I 
really wanted to seek out where are the where's my tribe where's my people like who who's who's out here programming or coding and specifically i was interested in python so in 2007 i pretty much started a a, a drink up uh, with a python problem so we we kind of got together and we would I, I, and this is something i tell the new organizers who are doing meetups is don't worry so much about the content of a of a meetup worry about the people you know, like getting there and, and enjoying their company the the talks and the content and that stuff can all come later which is exactly what we did we basically would get together at a, a brew pub you know hang out talk about tech talk about beer whatever you know and then someone's like i'd like to give a talk i'm like cool you're our first like let's go so we started doing you know more content type things and pre-pandemic i mean we, so we were rolling up into you know 2020 IndiePie was getting a very large crowd. Um, we were having to get bigger and bigger venues. It was almost like mini conferences each month, but it was so fun to basically provide that that venue and that tribe, that place where people can meet and be a part of the Python community. And it, it, because Python is is more than just like a web programming language and more than just a data programming language, it spans so many different domains that you get a lot of people in the same room together and great conversations start happening. People start, you know, asking each other about the kinds of things they're doing with the language. You know, we'll do sessions with lightning talks. Uh, one of my favorite uh, activities we had done with the uh, IndiePie was our fishbowl activity. Now, if you've never done this and you run a meetup, you should try it. Uh, you basically put five chairs in the front of the room, and the only way you can speak at this conference at this format is if you're sitting in one of the chairs. So we go around the room once and ask everyone for a topic and put it up on the board. We go around the room twice. And everyone votes on a topic and we take the top three and basically time box them. So we're going to do three 10 minute or 15 minute segments around one each of these topics. And then who wants to come up and get into the seat? And so once once those people are in the seat, they uh, they can now start kind of giving their either ask questions or they can you know talk about the topic. And, and it really it's, it's fun because they have the people from the audience have to come up and tap someone else out to go sit down. So if, if you, you can get some interesting dynamics, if there's some characters in your, in your crowd where they're tapping each other out or, you know, kind of having, it typically ends up in being a really good time. And so those are fun activities that are also low barrier to entry for, for new folks who aren't used to speaking at a, a meetup or a conference because they don't have to have a slides prepared and any kind of prepared remarks. It gets them up in front of the, the crowd. So I always tried to focus on these kinds of inclusive activities that would get new people up there doing lightning talks or doing the fishbowl activity where there's kind of a, a low bar or a low barrier to entry for those things. So you mentioned uh, uh, starting out with a drink up and I think this is going to be really useful for uh, for a lot of folks who are listening in and may not be active within you know uh, a, a community in their area. Um, can, can you give you know a little more detail on uh, right, starting or finding one of those, so that I mean, so that people can com, really get into it. Yeah, right. Meetup.com was obviously the 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 first place we went to kind of put our shingle out that we were a meetup. They had some rough times in there. A couple, you know, meetup alternatives spawn. A couple of them went away, but we're back on Meetup.com and now. So if you actually want to check out IndiePie on there, it's indie it's Meetup.com/slash/IndiePie. And there's actually fun photos up there because the members will start putting photos from the events into those things. So that's probably the best place to go search for local organized meetups. Um, the, I remember if the, there was a wiki on python.org that also had some like listings of meetups and things like that. But I think meetup is just probably the easiest, you know, 
most common place to find these kinds of things. Uh, right now, IndiePie is still running mostly virtual. We're doing quarterly in-persons. Uh, one of the other meetups I'm doing has gone back in person, but we'll be. I think we're going to be back in person fully here soon. I think it takes a lot of energy uh, to kind of get back into person, and especially when you need to find venues and things like that. Now, we we had worked hard to find and put together a really you know, smoothly running operation, and uh, I think we got out of we got out of practice with the, the pandemic, you know, being out of it for three years. Well, that that was going to be my next question: is is having ran IndiePy and then going into Python Web Conference, was there anything that you took from running a user group that you could take into running a conference? And then I'm sure you, you can guess what the next question is going to be. Uh, but we'll start with that one. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, running the meetup is all about like getting the people in the same room, kind of helping them, you know, meet each other and talk. And so I, I definitely took that same level of like community love of community into the events we did with like the Python Up conference and a couple of other conferences we had done over the years, just because we really want to get people to know each other. It's because once you've got a tribe and you've got a place to get help, you've got a support network. It's like it's you've got the village that you know used to kind of raise all the kids or whatever. But we we built that now for you know, our tech communities. And I and I think that feeling is important for them. Now and then on the other side of that is I I went deep on the A V geek uh A V club for sure. So, uh, you know, all the AV gear tech I have around here is ridiculous. Um, but it started small. I, I think I started with ah, people can't hear in the back. So I got a mic and a, a powered speaker so that I could like make sure everyone in the room could hear. Well, that grew into another speaker and then a projector and then a video mixer and then a streaming box and a compressor and all those other like gear that I started like lugging around. So if anyone's ever run into me at PyCon, I think in Cleveland last year, I, I brought a, uh, I brought the rig with me, which is basically a for you roll around case that has, you know, open it up. There's a laptop and a, a preview screen for doing the mix. And it has wireless body receivers for microphones and video switching. It can do crazy things. But I, I definitely went way down deep down that rabbit hole. And that was useful for doing the virtual event. Uh, virtual events require knowledge of how do I get video streams in the right places? And how do I make sure that the, the everything goes smooth and you know, there's not kind of a dead air uh, thing. One of the things I love about conferences, uh, maybe it's just me because I'm an audio visual kind of geek, is that when a, you're walking into a session, there's like the slides running on the screen and some kind of cool music playing that I may have never heard. I wanted to like rep, re, you know, recreate that same experience virtually. So I, whenever I do meetups, I always have when people are coming in, uh, making sure I'm playing music, making sure there's something on the screen so people kind of know what's going on, what the agenda is going to be, who's been sponsoring and supporting the group. You know, taking that same you know tack on online events was important for me as well. Okay, you, you answered both of them, so I'll I'll, I'll let that <laughs> one go. Uh, now I I know just from interacting with you on a regular basis, um, you are. It's not just you. It's it's your whole team. Oh, like for sure, it's not just me. Yeah, one, yeah. <laughs> one of yeah. Shout, shout out to the. I think I think the six feet uh, YouTube channel is is in the chat. So shout out to them. I know all the work that y'all do, um, but I know that that six feet has this thing that they've been working on that is that's called impactful. Yes. And 
I, I wanted to kind of spin this a little bit. What has been the impact uh, in your words or in your acronym of, of having your team be so invested in uh, IndiePy as well as Python Web Conference? No, I mean, so that's interesting. You, you kind of mentioned the acronym that is impactful. And so it's actually defined there on that page. If you just go to sixfeetup.com slash impact, you can you know, kind of take that in. Those are the criteria by which we judge projects that we work on to give them an impactful rating for inside of our, our company. And actually, it's become really important for our employees who want to make sure they're having an impact on the world. And what's really been interesting is our clients are asking us, can we be an impactful project? Like they're, they're kind of like, how do we qualify? How do we, you know, we, we do good work. Can we, can we be part of that cool club of, of groups that are impactful? And this relates to like our work we do at the events as well. I mean, I think that trying to be that, you know, there's, you can see there's collaborative, you know, purposeful moving. These are the, these are like the words I love to think about when we put on events. Cause I want to make sure that everyone is included. Everyone feels great about the experience. Everyone gets out of it what they need to get out of it. And so that that's this, like, these are kind of our, you know, it's not just our values. We have a different set of, of like corporate values, company values, but this is the, the measure by which we say that things are impactful. Uh, I mentioned this in like the, the JangoCon like 10 minute talk I had. Uh, you can see that on YouTube as well, that it's really, really hard to define a do-gooder in, in the world yeah, because so many organizations have so many facets and you want to make sure you're focusing on the, the, the work that they do is actually the, is good. And so that, that's what spawned this impactful campaign was us understanding our 10-year goal of doing uh, 10 impactful projects by 2025. And so that started off with a, a project we did with NASA uh, back in 2015, where we were working on um, collaborating with the, the scientists who were sending the, the uh, New Horizon probe to Pluto. And they were having trouble with like understanding and making sense or visualizing the data coming back from that probe as it as it passed Pluto, and that was our first you know, impactful project. That's awesome, uh, John. You got any other questions before we uh, we start to wrap up here? No, I think we're uh, we're we're running pretty short on time, um, Calvin. What other uh, what are some of the other events that uh, that you expect to happen this year that 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 you're looking forward to? Because I know we covered a handful um, earlier, but the the Python event calendar is huge. Uh, oh, yes. and, and uh, I mean, obviously, I'll be at Python conference. All, yeah, of course. <laughs> but then I'll, I'm definitely going to be at PyCon. Um, I really want to make it to EuroPython. Uh, Prague has been on my top list of like cities to to visit. Uh, beyond that. I'm actually focusing not on some Python events this year myself personally. I'm looking at some more client uh, climate tech, you know, conferences. We're trying to get closer to who the people are who are making some of those impacts and changes in the world. So you may not see me at all the Python conferences, although you'll see me at quite a few. I was gonna say we we have to go get Brazilian barbecue again. So I don't know if. <laughs> I don't know if we'll be able to do that. And and I and I will say if you come uh to PyCon US and you see either me and I'll I'll make sure I give Calvin some stickers too. Um I, I'll invite you uh to go hang out with us. We usually wind up grabbing dinner at some point in time. So oh, yeah. Other then there's plenty of as soon as you you know end keynote of the day is done, 
come find us. We are very approachable and we would love for you all to hang out with us. It's, last, it's, not, a, it's not, it's not a guarded club. Like it's, it's a, everybody's welcome. What? Okay. Last question. It's a fun one. Um, what's your favorite drink at conferences and why is it the Negroni? <laughs> Jay, it's like, you know me. It's crazy. Uh, the, I do. I've become a Negroni fan. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Campari, sweet red vermouth and uh, gin are amazing together. Uh, if you, especially if you like bitter things. Awesome. Well, uh, take, take this time, Calvin, promote, promote the event one more time. Let people know where they can find you do all that stuff. Yeah. So make sure you check out pythonwebconf.com. Uh, Jeffy, check out sixfeetup.com slash impact. That is all about our impactful campaign. Lots of fun stuff going there. If you are doing impactful work, I want to hear about it too. So hit me up on either the, uh, I'm on various slacks out there. I just joined the Python discord. So you can ping me over there as well. Um, I'm on Twitter at Calvin HP. I'm over on Mastodon with uh, Calvin HP at Fossidon.org. So I'm not a hard person to track down and I like talking to people. Um, so hit me up. And of course, uh, for those that maybe missed last episode, we have switched to a monthly format for the live streams, but that's okay because we do have content happening uh, throughout the month that you can you can take you know and and use and learn from. Uh, just go to our YouTube channel. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, congratulations, you're there. Hit the subscribe button, and then now it'll it'll show up more for you. Um, but if you're not there, it's YouTube.com/slash at Pi Community News. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Pi Community News, and you can check out uh, the archive as well as subscribe to the podcast. The podcast is Python Community News everywhere that plays podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. Um, and if you have a topic that you want us to talk about, be it a short form video, a long form video, or one of the live streams like this, we have a wonderful repo that you can go to. It is uh, our GitHub repo there, python-community-news slash topics. Uh, you can submit them. And I promise we'll give you all the props, all the credit. And uh, maybe maybe if you know enough about it, we'll even ask you to come join us on the show to explain it to us. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this month. Like I said, be sure to catch some of those other videos as they come up. But uh, John, am I missing anything? Yeah, I was just going to say you can find all the links to all of those things at pythoncommunitynews.com. Absolutely. Um, well, that's it for this month. So for uh, for myself, I'm Jay. I'm John. And that's Calvin over there. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> Thanks, Jay and John, for having me on. That's a lot of fun. Thanks for and, joining. And this has been the Python Community News. <laughs>